Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're going to chat now with Daryl Bricker. You know Daryl. He's CEO of um, Ipsos Public Affairs, but he's also the co-author of Empty Planet, The Shock of the Global Population Decline, and that's what we'll be talking about here. Daryl, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, Shay. Yeah, when we talk about you know global population, all the conversations I've always heard are about how it's too high and growing too fast and we can't sustain, but it turns out we may actually peak a lot sooner than we thought and population's getting older, right? Yeah, it's one of those uh, those memes that everybody knows that just happens not to be true. You know that old Mark Twain quote, which where it's uh, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble, but it's what you know what you yeah. know for sure that isn't true that actually gets you into trouble. <laughs> this is one of those things that people know that's actually not true. In fact, the global population is going to peak. Uh, probably within the next 25 years, uh, and then it's going to start to decline. And how low we know it goes, we don't really know. And the population is going to continue to age through that period of time. So what we're going to end up with is not just a smaller population, but a much older population. Um, so where are we now in terms of, I mean, how can you make that kind of a prediction? What are you seeing based on global population stats and our stats that are telling you that right now? Well, it's a really easy formula to work out. Uh, it's how many people are being born, so how many new people are coming into the world, and then at the other end, how fast are they leaving. And what's happened over the space of the last 30 years is that the number of people coming in has gone down dramatically, and as a result of COVID, it's gone down even faster. And then people who are at the other end um, have been, uh, our population's been growing merely because the older population is growing. So we're living a lot longer than we used to. So what's been happening as a result of COVID in particular is that the number of people coming in is way down, but also there's excessive deaths among the people who have been living longer. So that's why the population is going to go through a shudder mm-hmm. as we go through, particularly in the next uh, uh, two or three years, in which there's going to be a fair amount of correction. But the other factor that I like to throw out there just to give people a really personal way of looking at this is the entire global baby boom. So that's the population born after the Second World War up to about 1964. The entire global baby boom is going to be 65 in 2030. 65 or better? Or older. 65 or older by 2030. That's what the future looks like. Okay, let's break it down for Canada. Uh, what are we seeing okay. in Canada in terms of our population? I know we, we rely heavily on immigration uh, in order to grow our population, but what about our demographics? Are we aging just as quickly as everybody else? Uh, in some ways, aging faster, um, in, uh, particularly in the United States. So uh, it, right now, the, uh, the median age of a Canadian is about 41 or 42. I think it's 42 now. In the United States, it's only 39. So that's half the population's older, half the population's younger. So the U.S. population is younger. But our birth rate is also significantly lower than the United States. The U.S. just recorded its lowest birth rate in history at 1.6, so that's every woman in the country during a lifetime having uh, basically one and a half kids. Okay. In Canada, it's now down to 1.4, which is shocking. Now, Really, I, really low. It looks like Japan's did a couple of years ago. Now, I, I, just to make the obvious here, if each woman is going to have to have 
I would say two, right? In order, I mean, to, to, to compensate for the man. Okay, two point one. Um, in order right. to keep that would be to sustain population, Daryl, or to keep it That's growing. Simply to replace the number of people gotcha. who are dying every year. So, without immigration, Canada's population would probably be like the Italian population, Japanese population, the Spanish population, and I could go through probably twenty-seven or twenty-eight other examples would already be in decline. Now, so this aging population, um, which I think is probably going to be the more immediate um, stressor, I think, for our country. Just walk us through some of the things that an older population, like you're talking about, you know, uh, the majority being older, what that means to the way a country operates. Well, there's, there's two specific types of consequences. One of them is a public policy uh, consequence, which is the uh, increasing pressure on taking care of an older population. Yeah. So this is a population that's not in the high tax-paying period of its life, um, and it's in a high um, a high demand period of its life. So combination of pensions and health care, but other services too. Combined with the fact that they're in the lowest ebb of their uh, consuming period of their life, they're just not buying as much as they used to. So uh, the effects of that on the economy are considerable. So most of our economic growth from the end of the Second World War to today has been driven by a rise in population and a rise of consumerism. Older populations are not consumptive populations, but they're high users of public service. Mm -hmm. So that's the future that we're looking at, where the demand on public services is going to be really large, combined with the fact that the economic activity that's needed to pay for all of that is going to be declining. What about the fact that, you know... (laughs) Even from when I was a kid, you know, going back 40 years, um, somebody who was 65 and retired, we considered that, you know, a, an elder. Yeah. Now, I think for a lot of people, it, it's not 65 anymore. It's, it's 70. It's 75. I mean, people are more active. I mean, working longer, things like that. How does that change now that you've got this older population, but they're still um, competing, I guess, with um, the younger members of the society? Well, the only way we're going to be able to maintain our labor force um, going forward is if we start reconsidering what we consider retirement to be. And in fact, that's that's basically what's starting to happen now, where people don't, it's not like you hit a date and yeah. you retire. People sort of gradually retire. Uh, and they, and they, you know, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, you know, because they, they feel like they're stimulated by being in a working environment and they want to be there. But it's one of the last isms that we tolerate in the workplace, and that's ageism. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's not, it's, you know, there's no foosball tables and, uh, you know, spark rooms for, for people who are older. We can, we still can, in some instances, consider them to be inconveniences. And the focus is really on the younger population. Well, the truth is, we're not going to get by with the younger population because there isn't enough of them. Okay. Now, a lot of people will tell you that population and overpopulation and the huge population on the planet is a major negative to mankind and society and our future and all the rest. I mean, so there is an upside, isn't there, to a declining global population? Sure. So just about anything that you could say about the environment. So, for example, you mentioned climate change. Yeah. If you're a believer that uh, human activity leads to, has led to climate change, which I certainly am, um, then uh, you should be happy about this. Uh, if you're worried about you know the consumption of fish and the cleanliness of water and uh, uh, you know uh, um, you know all sorts of things related to uh, uh, you know food security and all th- things that uh, relate to those uh, those aspects of living and, and what is happening on the face of the earth, all of it should probably this message that I'm giving you today should probably make you happy. 
But when it comes to the political and economic future, the degree of uncertainty, the potential for tension around a lot of what I'm talking about yeah. um, uh, is considerable. And the point is that really, and the reason John Ibbotson and I wrote what we wrote in the, uh, in the Globe on the weekend is nobody's really talking about this. No, and it's and it's and it's going to change everything, and you know everything that the government does, and not just our government, but around the world. Is, is there a sweet spot, Daryl? Is is there a, an ideal population rate, you know, that we want to hit? Well, some, you know, in fact, I've had somebody who's been pinging me who's written another book on this about what the ideal uh, size of the population is supposed to be. Uh, what I would say is that everybody who's tried to create that has run into trouble. Uh, the most recent modern example that we've got is China. So China had its one-child policy because yep. it was going to create its ideal population, which, by the way, they got rid of. Yeah, they abandoned it, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, they're now set to lose half, half of their population between now and 2100. So the Chinese population is going to go from 1.4 million people, billion people to 700 million people in the space of the next 80 years. Wow. And there's nothing they can do about it. What's causing this change, Daryl? Why are we not reproducing at the rates we always have? Why is it slowing down? Well, that's basically what Empty Planet was about. So the first part it was, you know, this is what's really going on. And the second part is why. Yeah, yeah. And really what it is is about a combination of a couple of things. One of them is rapid urbanization. When you move into urban environments, culture changes. The size of families, you're thinking about that, changes. But most importantly the lives of women change. Uh, women become exposed to education. Uh, they become emancipated. They decide they want to work in the workplace. And one of the first decisions that they make is to make time for that to take place, which means that they delay uh, when they start getting in relationships in which they are start producing children. Mm-hmm. And then when they do produce children, they have fewer of them. And I'll give you the Canadian examples because it's, it's great. 1960, the average Canadian woman probably got married around the age of 21 or 22, had her first kid when she was around 23, 24, had four kids. Today, if she gets married at all, she probably gets married or in a permanent partnership around the age of 30, has her first kid shortly after, has one more, possibly, uh, but stops. So the most common type of circumstance we have now in Canada for, ch- for children and households is one kid. Wow, And that's, that's not just Canada, that's around the world. And this has happened in the space of 60 years. And is accelerating, continuing to accelerate. The decline is continuing to, 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 to accelerate. So what's happened is that we've just made different decisions about how we want to live our lives. Yeah. The culture has changed, the lives of women have changed, and as a result, the consequence is this decline in fertility. And a change like that, as we know, is going to have profound consequences down the road and uh now we're seeing the start of that and it's only going to get bigger absolutely i mean so we're going to start having conversations in canada about how much we should be investing in schools and how much we should be investing in long-term care we're going to start having conversations about maybe designing cities in which the population living there isn't riding bicycles interesting maybe interesting. we maybe we have to look at that infrastructure uh you know uh for you know accessibility vehicles we're going to have to start talking about uh uh you know moving parking out of parking lots and moving it onto streets again because older people need to be able to get out of their vehicles and get into the stores where we want them to shop uh, all kinds of things to talk about and we will as we go along interesting stuff Daryl. thank you so much for your time unfortunately i'm out of time but we'll do this again anytime shay thank you very much